This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. All right, welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We are back. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Verderam. Verderam. How's the NFL offseason treating you? I'm really tired. Um, you know, you you think it's the offseason. Like, man, I get to relax. Nope. We're in the middle of the franchise tag stuff, although nobody's been tagged yet because nobody knows what the hell the cap is. So we're so, kind of sitting there waiting. Um, I feel like most of my life is on my phone, whether it's with people on teams, you know, uh, personnel, uh, men, executives, scouts, uh, if it, 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 a lot of times it's agents, I feel like my, my phone is just getting a significant workout, uh, but it's fun too. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not complaining, but I could use a nap. Yeah. It's just, and, and you know, it's just going to get worse from here. Like this is the, this oh, is the yeah. slow period. Then it's going to pick up. And then the next thing you know, you're not going to get a break until July. So just buckle up. I've. I've already earmarked enough vacation to last me a lifetime starting like May 8th. I'm going to work the draft. Then I'm going to work one week after it to kind of clean up everything. And then it's just two weeks off in May, a long weekend on Memorial Day, like two and a half weeks off in July. I, I'm done. I'm, I need that because if I don't have that, there's no way I can, I can charge through the NFL season with the amount of energy I expect from myself. Matt Verderim is one of the hardest working reporters in the NFL. But aside from sports, I want to talk about something that's, I think, really important. A couple things happened on Twitter this week. And let's just go there. They released an all-peanut butter Reese's cup. I saw the picture. Looks just like a regular Reese's cup. It's But it's the peanut butter, and there's no chocolate. Now, anybody who listens to this show knows this is a very serious topic for you and I. We feel very strongly yeah. about Reese's, Reese's peanut butter in general. What was your reaction to this move by by the Reese's company? And, and, and Have you had one yet, and, and how do you feel about it? I haven't. I plan to. Um, I've seen slanderous talk about this on Twitter. I've seen people say, well, it's just peanut butter then if there's no chocolate. Yeah, what of it? I, <laughs> I, right. I, I like peanut butter. Okay, so then don't have it if you don't like it. That's more peanut butter cups for me. Yeah. I have no issue. And by the way, that's not stopping you from taking the peanut butter cup 
and drizzling some chocolate syrup on there if you want. Right. Yeah. Now the world is your oyster. Right. I might even get two of them. Put a little whipped cream on there. Throw a little a little powdered sugar, a little chocolate syrup. I got a damn Sunday. Yeah. Like I I don't understand the complaints. I'm pro all peanut butter Reese's cup. Like if they were just replacing the old school one, then there'd be a riot. Sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an addition. So what is the problem here? It's like when it's like when they did the white chocolate peanut butter cup. Also, still a big fan. Right. Yeah. I have no beef with this. I'm happy. There's more Reese's. It, it, it's all good. I think it's outrageous that anybody would would call this out. You know, you don't have to eat it. If you're, you know, if, if you've got brain damage or something and you don't like, you, you know, just just a peanut butter, peanut butter cup or fine. But like, let's be honest here. Uh, just like you said, the versatility, I think that it brings is really interesting. You mentioned putting whipped cream on it. What popped into my head when you were saying that was, what if I dip that sucker in marshmallow fluff? Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't have any marshmallow fluff in the house, which may be something that needs to change, but that just seems fantastic to me. And it, you just get, you get a, you get a, you get a, you, by stripping it down to its base level, because let's be honest here, the chocolate's nice. We're here for the, it's a peanut butter cup. Yeah. That's the point of it. So stripping it down to its base level just makes it more versatile, in my opinion. And look, again, like we both just said, if you don't like it, don't eat it. And second of all, go to hell. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like, peanut butter i like a reese's peanut butter cup i'm sitting in my office and you know what i've got a tin on my desk and that tin says the original reese's milk chocolate peanut butter cup okay now unfortunately there are not reese's minis in there i gotta rectify that but I, and by the way why the hell are we not sponsored at this point by reese's that's yeah. bull that we got I'll, I'll send a strongly worded letter but regardless yeah. look i am all for it i don't now we can save this topic for later. And in fact, this is a perfect thing. So everyone listening, listen to this segment and then send send us in a review. Okay. Rate and review, please, the podcast. We appreciate when you do. We love interacting with people. What is your opinion on Easter candy? Like, are you mm -hmm. are you big on Cadbury eggs? Do you hate Cadbury eggs? Peeps, thumbs up, thumbs down. Send us that in. In, in, a, in a rating and a review and it, that way we'll have you know apple can have a week or so to to get them all in and that way we're not we're not uh you know waiting until after easter for that but i'm, I'm curious everybody's thoughts i will lead off peeps are the devil i hate them i think they're disgusting they should be thrown out and burned thoughts on peeps it, it's it's a marshmallow covered in sugar what's the problem oh, with that oh oh they're terrible Oh, here's here's the trick good. with peeps. It's a gross texture. Cadbury eggs all day. Peeps get out. The texture, I agree with you. And here's the trick with peeps. You got to leave them on the counter for a day and let them get stale. It changes everything about the peep. Just if you've never done okay. that, try this for me. Buy one, buy one peep, you know, and, and I'm sure if you don't, if you let, let it sit out for a day, if you still don't like it, I'm sure Maisie will eat it. But oh god, yeah. yeah. This that's the trick with peeps is let them get stale. I am I think one of the greatest candies ever created. That I think it is is a travesty that it only really gets trotted out around Easter is the Cadbury cream egg. Yes. Yes. The people that people that slander the Cadbury cream egg should just should just walk into traffic. I mean, this thing is incredible. 
Not only the attention to detail, the chocolate's delicious, the cream filling. They even have a fake yolk in there. Right? So I don't, I bite, bite, bite my Cadbury cream egg in half just so I can look at the yolk. It's gorgeous. I, I couldn't agree more. I want a damn Cadbury egg in August. Yeah. Like, why not? Right? Yeah. But uh, we want to hear your thoughts. Cadbury yes. egg, peeps, whatever else you have for, for around Easter time, okay, or Passover, if that's, if that's what you're observing. Look, send us in a review thoughts on the peep, thoughts on the Cadbury egg, okay? Yes, this is the Arrowhead Attic podcast, and yes, we talk about cheese. But what do you think? We're one-dimensional? Yeah. We, candy's a huge part of the deal. Yep. So let us know what you think, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get back into this and we'll revisit uh, in, in a deeper way later on here in the month. We told you that this offseason, you better expect some food talk, and 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 and, and eventually sure we're going to get some Chiefs offensive and defensive linemen on here, and then we're really going to have a party. All right, uh, before we get into any more, I got to talk to you guys about the sponsor of this podcast, which is Manscaped. The uh, support for the Arrowhead Attic podcast brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. A lot of people get uncomfortable talking about this vertebram. I, I, like, here, here's what Manscapes offers. They got precision-engineered precision tools for your family jewels. That's what it is, below-the-waist grooming. Um, they've got a razor. It's called the Lawnmower 3.0, and it's got this uh, ceramic blade, and it's for keeping you trimmed up down there, and so you don't cut yourself. I don't know about you. I... I want to be. I want to have good hygiene. I don't want to cut myself when I'm shaving down there. Not, not fun. Not yeah. fun. Ter- it would be a terrible. Uh, great thing. To have pain. Yeah, yeah. So the lawnmower 3.0. It's got the ceramic blade. It's got skin-safe technology. I say it every time. I don't know what that means, but I have it. I use it, and I never cut myself. And the other thing that I'm really excited about is their crop preserver. It's basically ball deodorant. And that's another thing. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, buy deodorant. Oh, you know, people roll their eyes when you talk about the crop preserver. This is, you're putting deodorant on under your arms so you don't stink. Right. Why wouldn't you be putting it other places? So they've got the, the, the head over the Manscaped. We got a code for you guys. You get 20% off. A lot of you guys really supported the show last, last month. We heard from Manscaped. They're sticking behind us because of you guys. So if you, if you, if you enjoy the product, Keep working with them. If you haven't had a chance to check out the product, use the code FANSIDED20. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that code is FANSIDED20. Check out their uh, the Perfect Package 3.0. It's it's awesome, man. I, I, I've, I've been subscribing to Manscaped for a while, so I didn't even get this, but you get like a pair of boxers and all this other kind of uh, 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 a bag for you know when you go on the road, all those types of things. So check it out. Fansided 20, 20% off free shipping, manscaped.com. Support the show, and you'll get to hear more ridiculous conversations like this from, from me and Vertoram. All right. If, if that didn't get you hungry, I got one more food thing before we get to our guest today. And that is, you and I saw this on Twitter. We were talking about it yesterday. There's a pizza chain out there. I forget where it's at. And they released a, they're calling it for, for copyright reasons, Fruity Loops Pizza, but it's a Fruit Loops Pizza, dessert pizza. Yeah. This thing's got like regular pizza crust. It's got a sugary cream cheese sauce, Fruit Loops, and mozzarella cheese. That's what really threw me off. Thoughts on dessert pizza, Bertram? All right, so now I, I was all for, I was pro Reese's. This is an abomination. I'm sorry. Look, I love Fruit Loops. I love pizza. Some things are are a beautiful marriage, like spaghetti and meatballs. Mm, Some yeah. things 
are immediately destined for divorce, like any Kardashian. This needs to be a divorce. This cannot stand. I love it's it's a beautiful thing separate. Together, no good. Can't have that. I, I like my pizza is pizza. My Fruit Loops is Fruit Loops. Let's not uh, let's not go too crazy. You know, I used to work at Pizza Hut in high school, and uh, me and the manager at the time, who was another young guy in college, we made our own dessert pizzas for fun because it was such a boring job. And uh, Pizza Hut's listening to this; they're probably never going to sponsor us. We sold a couple of them to customers. Like we just like made we went over, we went over to the the dollar store and you know picked up some Twix and stuff and put put them on a pizza crust, and and, and a couple people bought them. They bought them from us. I probably, probably was against the law for me to do that. Yeah, yeah. Probably could go to jail for that. Um, just making my own food for a company. But what are you going to do? Uh, all right, listen. We've got a great guest for you guys today. Carrington Harrison. You, I'm sure you live in Kansas City, fall Kansas City sports. You know him. He's the co-host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. He's joining us to talk a little Chiefs. We're going to throw it to that interview, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome in. This is the Airhead Attic Podcast. We are joined by a very special guest today. You can find him on uh, The Drive, co-host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. You can also find him on CBS Sports and his YouTube channel and, of course, on Twitter. His name is Carrington Harrison. Carrington, how's it going, man? Welcome to the Airhead Attic Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to be on here. I know there's not a whole lot of Chiefs news per se, but we're what 11 days away from the league year starting so there certainly is a lot of news with kansas city and also the rest of the league yeah it's uh it's that time of year where uh things slow down a little bit um but you know what i'm excited i think as you said new league year is coming and this is a a different kind of off season for the chiefs than than what we dealt with last year where we knew they were going to run it back we knew we were going to see most of the same team coming back so I got one. I don't want to dwell too much on the Super Bowl. It's too painful. Uh, but I have one Super Bowl question for you, and and that is, you know, most fans I think put the loss on the offensive line. That's what we hear everybody talking about. Fix the offensive line. You can't bring up any free agent in any other position on Twitter. You get guys in your comments. Hey, can he play? Can he play tackle? Um, but how much of the loss do you put on Andy Reid's game plan? That's actually been a fight that we've had on the show over the last couple of weeks because I do think that the blame is evenly dispersed. Like, what happened in the Super Bowl, it's tough for me to lay at the feet of Mike Rimmers. I'm not saying that Rimmers wasn't a part of why they lost the game. He obviously was, and I would say the offensive line was the biggest reason why they lost. But you guys follow the media as closely as I do. For the two weeks after the Super Bowl, Devin White was telling anybody that will listen, hey, we completely outcoached the Kansas City Chiefs. That that's a major problem. I also think their inability to get pass rush on Tom Brady was also a major problem in the game. The Chiefs just got beat in all facets of the game. So I think maybe it's easier to say, well, if we had Eric Fisher that we had lost. Eric Fisher isn't the difference between losing 31-9 to the way that the Chiefs got beat. That I think kind of going to what you said to open this is, this is the first time – probably in like 18 months that the Chiefs seem somewhat vulnerable. I still think they're the best team in the NFL, but I think it's impossible if you're the rest of the league to watch the Super Bowl and then going into the season not feel like you have a better chance of beating Kansas City than you did at any point this past season. You know, I, I think that's actually a really interesting point because I look at the Super Bowl and just say kind of what you what you just surmised, which is they just got beat. Like you could sit there and point at this or point at that, they got outplayed soup to nuts the entire game. 
And a lot of it, too, was self-inflicted. Two drop touchdown passes, a lot of penalties. I mean, that game early, they get the goal line stand. Maybe they can get some momentum there. Then they drop a pass, a shank, a punt, whatever. We all know how it goes. But you also said you still think they're the best team in football. And that actually leads perfectly into what I was going to ask you, which is do you still see them as the clear favorite heading into two, into 2021? Because in Vegas, they're prohibitive favorites to win the Super Bowl now for the second straight year. Um, I look at the AFC personally, and I say, all right, you got Buffalo. Maybe you got Baltimore, depending on how you see Lamar. But I, I personally look at the Chiefs and say, I don't see anybody in the AFC, even if they have a good offseason, who's going to clearly be right there with the Chiefs. Do you feel that way? And if you don't feel that way, who do you see as a team that might challenge them? To kind of answer the first part first, I think football happened to the Chiefs and football hadn't happened to the Chiefs in 18 months, you know, where you talk about just getting beat kind of on all facets of it. it's kind of like a basketball team that just doesn't shoot well, gets into early foul trouble. And you're like, hey, it just wasn't our night. It just had been Kansas City's night so many times in a row. It's kind of like the the theory of playing craps. I don't know if you guys play craps. I don't care how hot the table is. Eventually, the seven is coming at some point and the Chiefs just hit the seven. Uh I think it's difficult to say what you said about the AFC without knowing what the moves the other team make. Because every offseason, there's going to be one team like Kansas City did a couple of years ago. They make their Frank Clark move. They make their Tyron Matthew move. And you're thinking to yourself, all right, this is a legit Super Bowl team. They were almost there. They were at the doorstep. But they've made these moves to get themselves over the hump. I still think Kansas City is the best team in the AFC. I still think they're the best team in the NFL. But also... Not many teams have improved. You can't really improve until March 15th. So let me see who improves. I think Buffalo is right there. I think Indy is right there. I still think Kansas City is better than them. But let's see what major moves happen. Let's see where Odell Beckham goes. If, if you're looking at some a guy like Odell Beckham, who I, I think is going to be traded this offseason, if he goes to it on those teams, do we look at them as being the best team in the AFC? The Jets. They got two first-round picks. Who knows where Deshaun Watson's going to go? Who knows what's going to happen with Russell Wilson? I just think we need to at least get through the first, like, 14 days of free agency and sort of assess the major moves before we, I think, kind of pencil where the Chiefs are yet. No, fair enough. I think that's, I think that's a, a reasonable take. I, I guess I just look at the Chiefs and say, as long as Mahomes is healthy and Reed's on the sideline, they just have such a massive advantage out of the gates like, I do think the Bills are the team that I look at because they have the coach and the quarterback. And, and to me, that's where it all starts. If you don't have elite people in those positions, you're just not going to compete with Kansas City. You're not. You don't, you're not going to have enough. Um, but, you know, moving off of that. Really quick, though, into, to, really yeah, quick. Go ahead. I, I, would, I don't see a combination, the schedule that can put together for the Chiefs. I don't care how it, if they have them all playing all eight road games at one time. I find it hard to believe that this team at a minimum won't win 11 games because of what you're saying. Right. That they got the advantage of coach. They have the advantage of quarterback in most games. And they're just more talented than most teams in the NFL. But we've only seen three teams in the history of the Super Bowl lose the Super Bowl one year and then follow it up with the win. Like the odds are now overwhelmingly against Kansas City. And kind of back to the craps analogy, you guys know this. The league is not designed for one team to just sprint way out ahead of everybody and sustain it for a four-year span the way the Chiefs are in the middle of it. Was that the window kind of closing for Kansas City and we're just not ready to acknowledge that yet? We'll see what happens. 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see kind of what we were talking about in the very beginning. Obviously, what the plane is at left tackle. Linebacker has been a deficiency for this roster for now feels like five yes. consecutive seasons. They've just accepted yep. that they're not going to be good at linebacker. I still think they need one veteran corner. I like Snead. I like Ward. I like Fenton. But to me, you need the 27-year-old, 28-year-old corner that can go up against some of the better receivers in the NFL. I think that Tampa Bay exposed their lack of a true third pass-catching option. They put so much resources on Hill, so many resources on Kelsey, and they basically were like, hey, McCall Hardman, we don't think you can make a play. Daryl Williams, we don't think you can make a play. We don't think that Demarcus Robinson can step up in this scenario. That's why I'm really big on this team needs to sign a legitimate number two receiver. What Sammy Watkins was supposed to be. Find you a guy who you think can have 800 yards receiving, five touchdowns, and be a really good third, fourth option, depending on how well Clyde edwards is playing. I couldn't agree more. I talked on this podcast after the AFC title game. I said, look, that game was great against Buffalo. Everything went well. Everything you wanted to happen, happened. But the third leading receiver in the, on the Chiefs in that game had 22 yards. It was Kelsey, and it was Hill, and it was literally nobody else. They won that game because Buffalo just could not handle those top two guys. Well, the Super Bowl, that was different. Kelsey played well. Hill did nothing, and the rest of that team couldn't compete. Uh, with the injuries that it had up front. But I want to ask you quickly, now we're heading into free agency, right? As, as we record this, we are 11 days from the tampering period, which is essentially when free agency opens up. What would be your plan? We know the Chiefs have some cap issues, although they can they can move some money around Mahomes. They can even do it with Kelsey or Jones if they wanted to. They could extend Honey Badger. The Chiefs under Brett Veach have been aggressive. They have gone after the big name. How do you see them navigating this offseason? Do you think they try to do that again, even with cap challenges, or do you think they're forced into changing that, that approach a little bit? <clears throat> I think they're going to be able to do very simple things to change the cap. Tyron Matthew extension can create cap space very easily for this team. Figuring out what the plan is for Eric Fisher next year, coming off the Achilles injury, very easy way. Restructuring Frank Clark's contract, very easy way, I think, to create some cap space for this team. I think when it comes to offensive line, I think they're going to – I think we know what their plan is at offensive line. I really don't think that they're going to spend exorbitant amount of resources this year in the draft on the offensive line. They've only drafted three offensive linemen the last five years. Like, this team doesn't draft linemen. They find the veteran Kalecheo Simile, the Rimmers, the Wisniewskis, and they sign them to one-year, $2 million deals because their flexibility, they're veterans, and they can play multiple positions – on the offensive line. So I think that's going to be the plan to fill the holes up front. I do expect them to, I wouldn't be shocked if Veach pulls another one of those Veach specials where he trades their fifth round pick to go get a former first or second round pick, kind of like what he did with Darren Lee to play linebacker for this team this season. And that's the way that they fill that hole. I do think they're going to pick a wide receiver in free agency. There's just so many out there that you guys know the market's just not, not everybody's getting paid this offseason. With COVID, the cap's not going to rise to the way that we're talking about. Sure, they're not signing Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay or guys at the top, but a guy like Curtis Samuel. Could Curtis Samuel sign a two-year, $20 million deal the same way we saw Robbie Anderson sign one last season with Carolina? Like, that contract's going to be out there for Kansas City, and I think Veach has always made it a point where they've given Mahomes anything he's wanted. 
They gave him Sammy Watkins when that wasn't a perceived need. The first first-round pick that Brett Veach had, they drafted a running back in the first round. They have always sided with giving Pat more help, so I expect them to do that this year in free agency. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think he'd also like somebody who can block for him. So <laughs> I think he says after running a 500 yards or whatever he did during the Super Bowl, absolutely incredible. Speaking of the quarterback position, a position for the Chiefs that I, 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 a lot of fans probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about, but they should, is the backup quarterback position. Now, Alex Smith just got released by the Washington football team. Is he a guy you'd like to see return to Kansas City in a backup role? I don't think this is going to be a good answer for you guys. I don't really care because if you get to the point of that person's your backup quarterback, you ain't winning the Super Bowl if that person has to play for a prolonged period anyway. So that's one of the positions on the field that whoever Andy thinks is the best option for him, I'm cool with. It could be Alex Smith. It could be Matt Moore. It could be Chad Henney. It could be Matt Verderam. It doesn't matter no, it to can't. me. <laughs> it, could be, it could be any of those people. As long as Andy tells me that they can run the offense and they're capable, and let's say that they could come in for a two-game stretch and you could go one-and-one one in that two-game stretch like we saw whenever Mahomes got injured, I'm cool with whatever they decide to do with backup quarterback. Would it be a nice story arc for Alex Smith to come back? Sure, but if they had Chad Henney as their backup quarterback, that's perfectly fine with me. I'd like to see Alex get a ring. So if he came back to Kansas City, I think for it's like getting a coach. You're getting another coach in the in the building, somebody who helped mentor uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then maybe if he's lucky, he gets a ring with the team. Uh, but yeah, don't want to see him step on the field. And and don't sleep on Matt Verderham. He's sneaky athletic. <laughs> I, I don't know if he picks up that first down against the Browns, but what do you think, Verderham? If I had scrambled on third and fourth, <laughs> they would just give me last rights on the fifty. So you're not beating you're not beating Henny in a in a forty. God, no. I don't think people understand. Like, you get that guy at the bar who's like, I could have done that. Yeah, no, bro. No, you couldn't have. Like, you don't understand. (laughs) Take the worst NFL player and put him against Joe Blow, and the guy looks like Jerry Rice on steroids. People have no (laughs) idea if they haven't been near these guys what you're dealing with. Uh, Carrington, thank you for joining us. I wanted to, you've got, you just kind of released like a clothing line, right? Called Protect Your Garments. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Some pretty uh, terrific looking hoodies on there. Yeah. So basically, it kind of started as this like running joke on Twitter where, you know, like your wife or your girlfriend will like steal your hoodie. Like she'll say, hey, I got to walk yeah. the dog. And then you'll give her the hoodie. And then the hoodie, you just never see it again. It magically escapes. And honestly, what really started it was, So Jackson Mahomes, Patrick's brother, he had his own hoodie line. And I'm like, if Jackson Mahomes can have his own hoodies and people are buying them, (laughs) why can't I have my own hoodies and people buy them? So that was kind of the the genesis of it, of what got me to do it. But it's been kind of fun. It's been new. It's been challenging. So, yeah, protectyourgarments.com. Go in there and buy a hoodie. We even got ones about Matt Verderam's athletic ability. So that's actually going to be the next hoodie that we're going to (laughs) drop, his ability. (laughs) That's fantastic. I will pedal that nonstop. (laughs) <laughs> do you do, did you come up with the designs on your own or did you work with somebody on that oh i worked with a couple people on it i i i'm kind of you know how they say like the like your backup quarterback is like your coach but like he couldn't physically do it but he can like communicate the ideas to other people that's who yeah. i am I, i'm basically yeah. jim harbaugh i'm john harbaugh like i couldn't do it <laughs> at a high level but i can at least tell you how i think it should look 
I got it. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm the same way. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler, so I'm not. I'm not <laughs> designing any unless it's stick figures. If someone's into a stick figure hoodie, maybe I could get that done. Character, thank you so much for joining us. Where, where can folks find you on Twitter, and when can they listen to you on Six Ten Sports Radio? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, C. Harrison. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube, also the same, C. Harrison. Uh, I am on Six Ten Sports Radio every day from two to six. I host on CBS Sports Radio every Saturday from 5 to 9 Central Standard Time. Verderam comes on there with me sometimes. I always feel bad bothering him on a Saturday because it's like 6.30, and I'm like, hey, let's talk football. I don't know what he's doing. He's spending time with his family. He could be doing all this other stuff, but Matt comes yeah. on there sometimes and we talk NFL. I love coming on, man, anytime. At that point, look, my, my wife, she she loves to go to bed early. She's in bed by like 9. My, my daughter's asleep by 8. So after that, I'm I'm wide open. I am wide open. I'm always happy to go on and talk shop. He'll do it. He he took a he took a radio hit once in the middle of the recording of this podcast. That's a true story. Uh, I just had to sit here like a like an idiot. Uh, it was twelve thirty in the morning. It's yeah, it was. It was late. It was good. It's good to know where your priorities are, Vertigram. Carrington, thank you so much for for joining the show. And we'll have to catch up later once we get into this free agency frenzy and, and see what you think about the moves the Chiefs are making. Appreciate you joining yeah. us. Absolutely. I'm happy to come on whenever you guys need me. All right. Welcome back in. That was a really fun conversation with Carrington. He hasn't been on the podcast before, but uh, he's been over at 610 Sports forever. He's on CBS radio. Always great insight on the Chiefs and pretty cool about that clothing line. I got to get I got to get one of those hoodies. The way that he explained it about how how your girlfriend or your or your wife steals them. That is absolutely true. Oh, it's definitely. You know how many hoodies I lost in high school to, to yeah. girlfriends who, who grew to hate me? Which I mean, look, fair enough, right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. but I, I had a Notre Dame sweatshirt, a hoodie that I loved, and I'm not going to throw her under the bus by naming names, and she's not listening. Believe me. But took the damn hoodie, and after we broke up, she burned it. And I'll tell you what, burned it. I didn't even do anything wrong. It wasn't like I cheated or something. It wasn't as though like I was a terrible boyfriend. I'm not saying I was boyfriend of the year material, but like I was not 16. I was a, I was a good guy. I, I wasn't you know I wasn't doing anything out of line by any stretch. We broke up. I'll tell you why we broke up because our parents were nuts. That's why we broke up. And she burned the damn thing. And to this day, she owes me a fifty dollar hoodie. Did she record it? Did she send you the, the, the they're just no, tell you her, her, we had a mutual friend who told me about it, but, uh, I was pissed. I was real yeah. pissed. I got even, I got even in a way I can't talk about on a podcast, but I did get even, but I still want that. <laughs> I still want a $50 hoodie. <laughs> that sounds a little ominous. You might want to clarify. There was nothing nefarious about the way that you got even. No, 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 nothing. No, no. It, oh, it, you know, it, people it, these it, days, they'll come for you, Verderam. <laughs> oh, they're coming for I you. Got, I got even in a socially acceptable way. Yeah. Okay. It was not. <laughs> you know. I didn't go. I didn't go like you know kill a dog or something. It was. It was just a. It was. Uh, <laughs> just. It was. It was put, <laughs> you're putting uh, Mister Clean in the dog bowl. Right, poison right. treats in the front yard. There was there was nothing that was nefarious about it. It was just. It was. I it was like, oh, you're gonna burn my hoodie. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna just. I'm gonna get back at you a little bit, but no, it was nothing. Uh, it was it was nothing nothing horrible. Just it was so, just a little bit of good claim. One thing you have in common with LeBron James is your ex is burning your jerseys. That's right. That's the only <laughs> thing we have in common. But, <laughs> right. But uh, at least it's one thing, I guess. So that was a great. I mean, it was a great conversation with Carrington. I want to know your thoughts on on the Alex Smith thing. 
And I thought Carrington's answer is totally makes sense to me, right? Like, don't care, don't want to see him play, all right. those things. But the fact of the matter is, b- the last two seasons with Patrick Mahomes, backup quarterback has been a very, very important position for the Kansas City Chiefs. They they might not have a, a Super Bowl without Matt Moore's performance if they don't get that one seed. They got to play somebody else last year who, or two years ago. Who knows? And then last year, I, I don't. If they've got a worse backup quarterback than Chad Henney, and I'm not saying he was amazing, but he made the plays the Chiefs needed him to make in the spot they needed him to make them, they may not get past the Browns, right? Like if Brody Croyle's coming in off the bench in that game, you're not in trouble. Good. Not good. Right? So how do you how do you feel about the Alex Smith thing, and how do you feel about the backup quarterback position in general for, for the Chiefs? And how, how should it how should who should they have back there? So I, I think for any team, it's the most – I actually do – I disagree with Carrington on this point. I think it's the most underrated position in the sport. Every year, some team doesn't invest in a backup quarterback, and then their starting quarterback's out six weeks, and they completely fall off the face to the earth. The Saints have been a team that has invested in backup quarterbacks, whether it's been Jameis or Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill, and it's saved their season a few times. And then there's the Packers – who have, you know, Bobby Joe Danny Frank as the backup every year up until they drafted Jordan Love here. And Rodgers gets hurt and they can't win a game. So I think it's an important position. Now, Chad Henney this year is scheduled against the cap to count for 1.6 million. If they cut him, they save 1.25. I would keep him as their backup quarterback. He played well enough last year. Teammates seem to really like him. I love Alex Smith. If they could bring him back, that would be an awesome story. God knows he'd be welcomed by both the team and the community. The problem is he's going to probably get a lot more than $1.6 million. Um, and, I, and I think for him, does it make a lot of sense to come I look at, like I thought about this. I think Jacksonville makes the most sense for him. Urban Meyer was his college coach, and he can go be there and be behind Trevor Lawrence and help Trevor Lawrence. And if you're Jacksonville and you see what he did from Mahomes, I'm willing to pay a little bit extra considering they got more cat space than anybody in the league. So I think it would make for a great story. I think it is an important position, but I don't think it's going to be a fit in Kansas City unless unless he's just is for whatever reason says that that's just where I want to be. Um that would that would be my my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think you're right to a degree here. He's look, he 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 got that team to the playoffs last year. They were a good team. But he came in, he stabilized things for them. He helped them win games, big some big games as well. And look, did he light it up? No, but towards the end, before he got injured again, he was looking a little bit more like the old Alex Smith. He was shaking off some of the rust. I mean, I think you can't really underplay just how incredible it was that he came back at all. But like the fact that like he was a little rusty early on and then started looking more and more like himself as the season went on, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible the most important aspect of this position right is that can you come in and win my team games and these teams to your point are going to be looking at alex smith and they're like you know what let's take a look at his medicals but we know he can win games we know he can win games against good teams and that's a guy you want i mean you know if it wasn't for the age and injury stuff there might be some teams out there that would bring him in as a starter so He's probably going to get paid really good backup money, right? You think? Or at least middle-of-the-road backup money. And that Chiefs just can't afford that. I think he's going to get paid good backup money. I, I, don't, I think he's going to get you know, two years, $12 million, $14 million. And the Chiefs just can't pay that money. So 
the days of paying Chase Daniel like four million a year to just hang out with a clipboard are gone. They just don't have the money to do that. It would be a great story, and it'd be a great fit, obviously. But I, I just think financially, that's where it's tough. That's why I said I, the only way I think it happens is if, for whatever reason, Alex Smith just says, "I am going to Kansas City." That's where I want to be. But I, I think that's probably a, a pipe dream. How do you feel about the age of backup quarterbacks? So the the Chiefs have favored in the last couple of seasons guys like Kenny, guys like Matt Moore, older, very long tenured, experienced if right. not unspectacular backup quarterbacks. Do you think they should have a younger guy back there? Or is this the right way to go? Is it find a bargain, somebody with a lot of experience who nobody really wants to pay anymore, but they could come in and play and help you out in a tight spot? Or do you think like, they should have I, a younger guy? I always like the older guy. I, now, I like a younger guy if your quarterback is 39 years old and maybe you're trying to groom somebody. But for the Chiefs, like Mahomes is going to be there for the next 15 years. So I, I, you're not grooming anybody. I want somebody who's been through the battles who can – like I will tell you right now, I think that one of the biggest reasons that they were able to survive that game against Cleveland with Henny was Henny's been in the league for like 12 years. Now, that was the first time he played in a playoff game, but like he's been in these games. He's been against good teams. He's been in the – like I think it matters that even though maybe he hadn't played in the playoff game, Chad Henny's been around. Like right. that moment wasn't going to be overwhelming where if that's it. If that's a kid, that kid might be absolutely terrified in that spot. Like I, I think that's – if you're the Chiefs, Matt Moore is another example. When Matt Moore came in, Matt Moore earned that ring and then some. Like he just steadied the ship. They played well. They won two of the three games that he was primarily responsible for, and they won the Super Bowl. Like I, I think if you're the Chiefs – you always want the guy behind Mahomes who you know can come in and just be competent. And you don't know that with a young kid. Mm. You know that with a veteran guy. I know that like if they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to come in and be competent. Like, I don't know that about third round rookie guy. You know, he might be great. He might also be an atrocious player, and then you're you're sunk. There's a mentality thing there too, right? Like the young guy. He gets called in. He's like, oh, my God, I'm stepping in for Patrick Mahomes. The Kansas City Chiefs like, we have the Super Bowl. Is the, is the It's Super Bowl or bust for us. This is a chance for me to, like, they've got their whole career ahead of them. And so all the things that are going through their heads in that spot, are, 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 are there's more happening for that person than a guy like Kenny, a guy like Matt Moore, who's like, I'm not even supposed to be here. Like, right. I'm not surprised by this. Right, like Matt Moore, Chad Henney, they know, like, hey, look, if I play well in this game, I'm going to end up the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. That's not going to happen, right? Like, their starting days are over. They know it, so they're coming in thinking, hey, I've got a job to do here. My job is to is to manage this game, help the team win, make a play if I have to, and not screw anything up. And I think it's just hard for a young guy to have that mentality because they have their whole career ahead of them and they don't know how many chances they're going to get. Henny, he knows. He's, it's over. Like he's not. He's not going to be a starter anywhere. It's not happening, right? He's he's banking some money and living the the last few years of his NFL dream. And the best thing that he can do is just come in and take care of business. I think you're absolutely right. So I I think we'll probably see the Chiefs continue to go that route with the older, cheap veteran who they can hopefully rely on in a tight spot. You're, you're, you, maybe they'll have a third string developmental guy on the on the practice squad just just to have some youth there if they need it. But you don't want to see that guy ever take the field. 
No, you do not. No. If you're the Chiefs, that guy, you're happy to pay him to just stand around and stuff on Sundays. <laughs> right. All right. So Brett Veach talked uh, earlier in the week, and he spoke to the media and talked about the offensive line. And you and I have been talking about Eric Fisher and, and coming off these injuries, the Achilles, and thinking, okay, we'll, we'll see him maybe by midseason. Chiefs can't rely on him. Maybe, uh, maybe they go and they draft a tackle or Lucas Nyang. Like, right. Veach comes out and he says, yeah, we expect – not only do we expect Eric Fisher back by training camp in, in mid-August, we think we'll get Mitchell Schwartz back too. Do, how does that impact the, 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 the offseason for the offensive line, that timeline? And do you think it's too aggressive? So it impacts it a lot. Um, and I'll, I'll be very honest. I think it's way too aggressive. And I think it's going to bite them in the ass. That, that's what I think. I, I'm not as worried about Schwartz um, because he's been an Ironman throughout his career. He'll basically have a full year off. Now, he just had the surgery, right? But it seems as though he should be back. So Am I concerned? Yeah, but guys get hurt in the NFL and come back. Now, it's a back injury for a guy who's a 300-pound man. I mean, that, I'm concerned, but I can understand why the Chiefs would feel like, okay, he'll be back and he'll play and he'll be fine. Eric Fisher tore his Achilles. I believe it was on the 20th of January. You're telling me in seven months, mid-August, he's going to be fully recovered from a torn Achilles tendon. The man is like 330 pounds. He's on the other side of 30. And in 2019, missed more than half the year with injury. And you could save $12 million by cutting him. And I get it. That's a brutal thing to do, to cut a guy who's been a really good player for a decade on the team when he's hurt. That's the NFL. And maybe he's got injury guarantees. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But I think the Chiefs are taking an enormous risk by just saying, yeah, we think they're both going to be back and starting. You better hope so. Now, they can mitigate it by doing the following. Look, Niang's coming back. Okay, He's essentially going to be a rookie this year. He played right tackle mostly at TCU, but he's probably going to serve as a swing for them. Now, they could... Have him bring back Remmers on the cheap. Everybody's going to go, oh, God, Mike Remmers is Super Bowl. Look, Mike Remmers was, was fine all year long until he got moved to left tackle in the Super Bowl. Okay? Mike Remmers is fine. If he's if he's a backup guard tackle, he's, he's a good player to have in your team. They could bring him back cheap. They could also still, by the way, draft a tackle in the first round. They, they, they could go into the offseason, or excuse me, into the regular season, with the following projected line. Duvernay Tardif coming back playing right guard. Fisher and Schwartz is your penciled in starting two tackles. They could sign or draft a guard, and they could sign or draft a center. All right? And, and if, if Jason Kelsey gets let go out of Philly, I think that is an obvious slam dunk situation for Kansas City. And they could get a really good guard, especially in this class, which, by the way, if you don't follow the draft, this is a phenomenal draft for offensive linemen. They could get a really good guard in the second or third round. Okay. And then your backups could be Nyang, Remmers, a Wiley or Osemele, and then maybe even another rookie pick. So you could fortify it 
by doing that and going, all right, look, if Fisher or Schwartz is hurt or whatever, we, we still feel okay. But I really need to see them fortify it before I move off my stance. I think as it currently stands, that's way too aggressive. You're hoping that all those guys can can come back from injury or those guys can come back from injury. If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, all right, well, you better be right. Because if you're not right, it's my ass. So I, I, I know what the Chiefs are thinking, but they, they, this is one where they can't afford to be wrong. They really need to fortify behind those guys. Yeah, they can't put all their eggs in in the Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz basket. They just can't do it. The, the position's too important. It's too important to the success of the team. So, you know, hopefully what we end up with is a super line next year where a super deep line where, where Veach addresses it in the draft. He addresses it in free agency. Fisher gets healthy. Mitch gets healthy. And you're sitting there and you're like, Hey man, we got some really talented young guys, some good free agents, and some and some wily veterans who are who are healthy now, and you've got a super deep line that can help you get through the rigors of the season. Because to your point, Mitchell Schwartz, man, he was an Iron Man. He he's a warrior. We all know that. Father Time is undefeated. He's gonna yep. catch up to you. That's a brutal position. Tons of impact every single play for those guys on the offensive line. We've seen guys play for a long time, and we've seen guys you know, really suffer. Willie Rofe's dealt with a lot of pain and things like that late in his life because of, well, he's not late in his life, but after his playing career, it's right. a, it's a, it's a brutal position to play. And, um, the Chiefs need to get younger there. They haven't invested enough in there. Let's, let's, let's hope the, let's hope the old guys come back. They're great. They could probably even start, but they, there better be something behind them. That's going to be able to is, hold on. Sports is 32 years old. Fisher's 30. It's not that they can't play. Like, look, if both of those guys are healthy, it's one of the best tackle combinations in football. Yeah. So I understand why the Chiefs are sitting there saying, look, we're going to bring these guys back because if they're healthy, yeah, we have a really good line now. But that is that is a huge ask. That for, for one of them to be healthy, you're kind of crossing. For, for both of them, uh, look, could it happen? Yeah, but if I'm the Chiefs, I'm approaching this as, okay, Niang is a swing. I'd bring back Remmers as a guard and or a tackle who, who you know, could play either as a, as a guy off the bench, Osemley or Wiley. Wiley's a restricted free agent. Osemley's unrestricted. Osemley's a much better player, but he's also got a much bigger injury history. I would still draft a guard on day two, and I would seriously think about drafting a tackle on day one. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be overly wrought about it, because if you have Niang and you're bringing back both those other tackles, okay, you at least have a swing. With it. I think about it, and I know people might go nuts about that and say, how could you have a backup tackle for a first-round pick? Because it's that important. But if, you, if you're bringing back all these guys and you're not pressed into doing that, and my guess is they probably wouldn't do that, but it's something to consider. It's a very deep class. I know a lot of teams think that, the offensive line is the deepest position in this draft. My understanding is the Chiefs feel that the draft is very strong at offensive line. So they're going to have options. But they're putting a lot of eggs in the basket that Eric Fisher and Mr. Schwartz are going to be healthy by week one. All right, let's take a quick break. On the other side, I want to talk a little bit more about Brett Veach's press conference and a proposed NFL rule change that I think could be good news for Eric Bieniemy. We'll be right back. 
All right, welcome back. All right, let's talk a little bit more Brett Veach. In that press conference, he got asked about Sammy Watkins. And we all know how the Chiefs kingdom feels about Sammy Watkins. They're just, they're fed up. They're done with him because of the injuries, because of the lack of availability. And what Veach said was that retaining Sammy was going to be a lot harder this year than it was last year. Do you expect him back, Verderim? And and do you want him back under any circumstances? And when I say any circumstances, I mean like, Let's say Sammy Watkins is like, all I care about is winning rings. I understand where the team's at. Pay me the veteran minimum. I'll come back. Uh, I don't think he's coming back. I didn't think he was coming back by about midway through the season. And Veach's comments basically reaffirmed that position for me. Look, if it, yeah, they got him for like a year or like three million bucks maybe. But I got to be honest, even if they did that, I'd still want them to try to basically move him down the depth chart. He's never on the field. I will forever say that Sammy Watkins was worth the contract he got because they would not have won the Super Bowl without him. I don't care. You want to sit here and argue that Sammy Watkins wasn't worth the money, fine. Then know that you wouldn't have that, that, that ring because they would not have won the Super Bowl without Sammy Watkins. Would not have won it. He was great in those playoffs. And I will always say the same thing about Frank Clark. I know some Chief fans have soured on him. And look, right now for his production, he's overpaid. Frank Clark was basically Lawrence Taylor in the playoffs that year. And if, if they don't have him, they don't win. So sometimes you have to say, well, hey, you know what? Maybe the, the totality of it didn't work as much as we would all. I think with Clark, the jury's still out on that. But overall, I think it worked. They won. And they got to another Super Bowl. Um, but I would be shocked if he's back. I think it's more likely if either one of them that Robinson's back. Because I, I just think it's far more likely he doesn't get paid. And he just comes back to the Chiefs for one year and you know, two million bucks. But if you're the Chiefs, I think you start looking at this thing going, look, we got Hill, we got Hardman. Pringle deserves a shot to at least get snaps. Like I'd like to see him as wide receiver four on the team. But I, I am with Carrington who talked about a receiver. I think the Chiefs need to go get another receiver. My understanding is that's also a position at the draft that they think is is deep and, and most teams do. Um, that's also we've talked about it here on the podcast. There are a lot of free agents out there, receiver who could help the Chiefs. So, and, and if you're a receiver, my God, you don't want to go to Kansas City, especially on a one-year deal where you can reset your value. I, I mean, if you if you're alive and you're a receiver on the Chiefs, you're going to have 600 yards, some touchdowns, you know, some plays in prime time, whatever. So. Look, I, I, I don't think Watkins is back. I think they'll replace him, um, whether it be in the draft or in free agency. Yeah, I would prefer a veteran in this situation when it comes to the wide receiver position. Yeah, young guys are great, but you can you can develop them. Get get somebody who is a proven NFL talent in there and, and can really cause problems for defenses and take advantage of the fact that they're going to be getting a lot of one-on-one looks on the Chiefs. Okay. I saw a report on arrowheadaddict.com from Matt Connor. Uh, he didn't report it necessarily, but he passed it along to all of y'all. Um, the, the Chiefs met with cornerback out of Northwestern, Greg Newsom II. He's a first round potential first round talent here. Would you consider that a luxury pick for the Chiefs at the end of the first round? No. Um, I could, it's a good question, though. I, I can see the question. So. They might lose Breland this offseason. They have Ward, they have Fenton, they have Sneed. I know from talking 
to people around the Chiefs that while they love Snead inside, they, they view him long-term as an outside corner. Ward is an outside boundary corner. Fenton's a slot guy. They also have DeAndre Baker, who before he got hurt, uh, th- they absolutely planned on him coming in and competing for a starting job this this training camp. So um, you could sit there and say, well, they got a lot of guys at corner. Do they really need it? Well, it's a passing league. Ward is a restricted free agent. He'll be back, but he's restricted. I think for the Chiefs, if you can get a good corner, I, I think you do it, um, provided the board falls that way. Like, do I think it's the biggest area you need? No, I think edge is a bigger need, although that is the one position I think they will look at in free agency. I would even argue receiver two is a bigger need. Like right now, CBS Sports, they, they do a nice job. They put out a, a new – Josh Edwards did it. Um, give him credit. A new mock draft, three-round mock draft. If you go through and look at the mock, there's a lot of corners early, okay? He's got Patrick Sertan going ninth to Denver. Caleb Fairley out of uh, Virginia Tech going 10th to Dallas. All right, you keep going down, and you see a lot of names start popping up. Tyson Campbell out of Georgia picked 19th to Washington. All right, so you've already got three corners there in the top 20. Um, And then he actually has the Chiefs taking a corner, uh, Aaron Robinson out of uh, UCF, who, by the way, uh, we're going to be doing a little work with Aaron Robinson over at Fansided. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But he's somebody who he sees, you know, he's somebody who could be a late first round pick. Uh, transferred out of out of uh, Alabama to, to Central Florida, but a really big guy, 6'1, 195, so on and so forth. My point is, okay, and then in this mock draft, he's got another corner going 34th, 39th, Newsom 42 to, to the Giants. Asante Samuel Jr., who I just wrote extensively about in Stacking the Box. I hope you checked out the column on Monday. I interviewed him. Great kid. Had a great story about him and Antonio Brown. Um, had him going 43. Uh, a lot Moore, corner going 45. Okay, enough's enough. But my, my point is, there are a lot of corners in this draft who are seeing as potential top 50 picks. If the Chiefs want to take one of those guys, I'm all for it. But I think you're looking at corner edge, tackle, interior line, receiver in the first round. I, I don't think they value linebacker enough to take one in the first round. I think one of those five spots, tackle, interior, receiver, corner, um, and edge. And, of course, free agency will kind of help us determine a little bit of that too. But I, I think those are the spots you're looking at right now. It's going to be a very exciting draft. I was thinking about how you just never want to be picking at 31. Like, is that the worst place to be picking in the NFL draft? You know, like if you're picking one, it means you're terrible, right? But at least you're getting an exciting player. 31 is just, ah, you can still get good value there, of course, but you know what it means, right? Look, man, you always want to be picking 32. But I went through a lot of years where the Chiefs were picking 10th, 6th, 5th, First, third, Tyson Jackson. I, I, no, I, I'm all for – listen, I want to be picking 32nd. But 31st, that's a hell of a lot better than picking third, okay? Because yep. for one, oh, yeah, it's Clay. We're picking third. Yay. Yeah, great. That's because you went 4-12. <laughs> and 12. You suck. Right. I'm all for give – me, give me 14-2 and two and a shot at the ring every year. Yeah. Amen to that. Okay. So the, the Bills proposed a rule change – 
barring coaching interviews until after the conference title games and head coaching hires until after the Super Bowl. I think this is really smart. I think we've seen it with Eric Bieniemy. When you're a coach and you're on a team that's making a Super Bowl run, you're 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 kind of screwed. The teams want to move quick. They want to get the best candidates. Do you think that this is fair? Uh, do you like the rule? And do you think we'll see maybe fewer head coach firings in season because of a rule like this if it passes? Interesting. Um, potentially. Look, I think this this rule absolutely should pass. Teams should wait. Now, here's going to be the argument teams are going to have against it. If your team doesn't make the playoffs, and obviously firing a coach, probably the case, you want to fill out that spot as quick as possible because Senior Bowl is right after the AFC and NFC title games. Combine is in late February. Like you, That's a quick turnaround. You want to get your board together. You want to get everything rolling. And, and so I get it. There are going to be teams that say, hey, come on. We don't want to be waiting until the middle of February here to get, hire a head coach. But the, the problem is for a guy like a Brian Dable or an Eric Bieniemy or a Leslie Frazier, so on and so forth, Robert Sala last year, you know, those guys, they're coaching so deep into the year, they're not as available as these other coaching candidates are. And it hurts them. It hurts them that their team is succeeding. So I actually would like to see that rule get implemented. I think it would be a good rule. It would be a good change. And teams will adjust. They'll figure it out. Okay, last topic I want to hit here before we get out of here. And Carrington brought this up during our interview with him. It was Devin Way to the Bucks talking about how the Chiefs weren't a physical team. The offense is gimmicky. And I think that's a really interesting comment. You know, yeah, it's going to make Chiefs fans mad because he's talking trash. But do you think the Chiefs are a little soft because they got Patrick Mahomes, because they have this this really explosive offense that they don't have to go out there and play bully ball, their performance along the offensive line when they get into the into the end zone in the red zone, you know, on the goal line, they can't punch it in. On defense, I remember during after the Bills game, I thought they had a great attitude, but then it was just completely gone versus the Bucks, and it's not something we see very often. What, what's your take on that, Verdran? All right. So I hate this stuff with soft. Nobody in the NFL is soft. All right. Like, but are the Chiefs more of a finesse style of team? Yeah, they are. Certainly offensively, they are. The Chiefs are much more 80s 49ers than they are 70s Steelers. Okay. The, the Chiefs want to throw the ball and get out in space. Are they gimmicky offensively? I mean, I guess it depends on the way you look at it, but yeah, they, I mean, they have a ton of motion. I would say that they're smart offensively because, you know, the West Coast offense in the 80s, the Niners, for anyone who wants a real quick history lesson, the reason it's called the West Coast offense is not because it started with the San Francisco 49ers. It didn't. It started with the Cincinnati Bengals in the late 60s and, and through the 70s when Bill Walsh was an offensive coach there. Because they had no offensive line, they had to get the ball out really quickly. Okay, that's where that started. Then it went to San Francisco with Walsh, and it got called the West Coast offense because after they got shut down and scored three points in a playoff game against the Giants, Bill Parcells went to the media and said, "How do you like that West Coast offense now?" Okay, that's how it got that name. It was an insult. Walsh hated that it was called the West Coast offense. So 
the Chiefs, however, are more that style of play. That off that offense was not soft, the West Coast offense. It was smart. It was a way to complete passes at a higher percentage. It was a way to have an extension of the run game. Andy Reid is so far ahead of a lot of coaches offensively that it's viewed as this gimmicky, soft thing. I get the gimmicky moniker because, look, they, they just do some crazy crap, right? Like the Rose Bowl parade. or the, Okay, look, it, it, that is kind of gimmicky. But it's smart. All the motion and the movement. You can't play that way if you're not smart. You know how much goes into the timing of all that? How hard that is? There's a reason the Bears aren't lining up like that with Trubisky and playing that way. That is hard to do. So I, I don't think it's soft at all. I think it's smart. Is it more finesse than physicality? Sure. They're not the Titans who just want to line up with Derrick Henry and pound you and pound you and pound you. I don't think the Chiefs are soft at all defensively. I, I don't think anybody's going up to Frank Clark and telling him he's soft or Chris Jones or Tyron Matthew or even Anthony Hitchens or Daniel Sorensen. Nobody's, nobody's calling them soft. I don't, I don't think the Chiefs are soft at all defensively. Um, but look, Devin White, they beat the hell out of the Chiefs. But you know, you know what? Devin White wasn't calling them soft and gimmicky after the Chiefs hung up 550 yards on him in the regular season. To the victor go the spoils. Frank Clark talked an ungodly amount of crap throughout the entire playoffs when they won the Super Bowl. And if you're a Chief fan, you're fine with it. And it's funny. And you know what? You should be fine with it because it was funny. Devin White has every right to talk. They held the Chiefs to nine points. They got Patrick Mahomes blown out for the first time in his career. And if you're the Chiefs, you file it away, you don't forget it, and you hope that you see them next year. That's it. But no, I don't think they're soft, and I don't think they're gimmicky. All right. I think we have covered a lot of ground today, so we are going to give poor Matt Verderham a break here. Uh, well, we have one more thing quick. We had one oh. review that we have to get to. Oh, my uh, bad. My bad. It's Real. okay. I want to throw it out there. Though. I don't want to leave uh, this person hanging. I don't know if it's a guy or a gal. Uh, Five-star rating. Appreciate it so much. Uh, from USAF Chiefs fan. Who we he uh, wanted to talk about overlooked chief players. We talked about some of our favorite under the radar guys the other day, and so he uh, left a few for him as well. First off, he says, "Looking forward to listening to the offseason takes and what the Chiefs will do in the draft and a free agency. You guys are always a must listen for all things Chiefs. Do the Chiefs take a viable backup at tight end if Kelsey goes down, or do you think they should draft one, or is there one who's hitting the market?" And then he also listed out four underrated guys who he appreciates. And I think these are all great picks and all 90s guys. So I'm guessing uh, this individual is probably about our age. Has Kimball Anders, Dave Zott, James Hasty, and Donnie Edwards. And then at the end, he says, Matt, Tony Richardson, and Dan Sally Mill were on my initial list while listening to the podcast. So thank you so much for the rating and the, re the review. Really appreciate it. Again, don't forget yep. – Want to hear about Peeps, Cadbury Eggs, Easter, Passover candy? Hit us up on there. Let us know. But um, to answer the question quickly, Chiefs have invested so much in Kelsey. I think you're going to see a lot of that same, you know, bringing a guy for on a one-year deal. Um, they just can't invest a lot of money there. I could see, you know, I, I can tell you this. Look, the, the class, the the the, uh, the tight end class in the in the draft is awful. I. I I know that most NFL teams have that as basically Kyle Pitts of Florida is going to be a top 10 pick and then nobody else who's worth taking. So if the Chiefs are going to do anything, I think it would be 
a smaller signing in free agency. Um, who that would be, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, I think the Chiefs could maybe, you know, a guy like, like a Ricky Shields-Jones type, that kind of a signing. I think that's probably the way they address it. If Kelsey goes down, there's no replacing him anyway. So I don't think they'll invest a ton of resources. But it's a good question because Kelsey is great as he is. He is on the other side of 30. And he's still playing better than he's ever played. And, he, and knock on wood, he's been extremely durable. Um, but, yeah, it's always something to think about. But thank you for the review and, and the rating. Really appreciate it. Kyle Rudolph got released. He did. The Vikings he did. could be – I don't know if he still wants to play somebody you could look at. Yeah, he'll, he'll have a market. But, you know, it, it's not a great year to need a tight end. Hunter Henry's the big name. After that, it falls off. I mean, you're right with Rudolph. It's a, good, it's a good point. But, man, there's not a lot of guys. There's a, you know, Gerald Everett is a guy from the Rams, just to try to, you know, I'm trying to give a, a real good answer here, considering it was so nice to leave a review. Um, Everett's an interesting guy. He comes off his rookie contract. He's only 26, but four years with the Rams. Last year was his best year. He's gotten incrementally better every single year. Like, you start out 2017, his rookie year, 16 catches, then 33, then 37, then 41. Then you look at his yardage totals, 244, 320, 408, 417. He's got eight career touchdowns. I actually, you know, and he's 6'3", 240. I think Gerald Everett would be a really nice signing for the Chiefs. A really nice signing. So actually, if I if I had my druthers, that's who I would go out and get if I was Kansas City, if they can afford him. I think Everett would be a great fit for Kansas City. They'd like to have somebody who can catch the ball, who can slide into that Kelsey role if they need to. Uh, nobody's going to replace Travis Kelsey, obviously, but you'd like to have, you know, not as steep a drop off. You don't want some stone hands person out there if Travis Kelsey goes down. All right. Thank you for the reviews. You guys are the best. If you want to hear your review or your question asked on the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review, leave us a question and a written review over there, and we will hit you up on the podcast. We'll be back next Thursday, but on Sunday evening, you'll be able to get your new Arrowhead Attic podcast content from Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. They're the other half of this podcast. Hope you've been enjoying their contributions to what we're doing here. It's going to be even better once we get into the season. Uh, more perspective for y'all, and hopefully you're enjoying it. You can follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R Patrick Allen. And of course, make sure you're following at Arrowhead Addict for all your Chiefs news and of course, this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you're getting through the offseason okay. It's about to get exciting. Things are getting ready to heat up. So strap in, buckle in, do whatever you need to do, and make sure you let us know what you think about that Easter candy. We'll see you guys on the other side. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen, and as always, go Chiefs! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.